This is The Space Shot, episode 202 for December 2nd, 2017. Four shuttles walk into a bar, and Hubble, part two. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Mulnix. I've got a quick launch and payload update before we start into the history today. Yesterday evening, Elon Musk tweeted that the Falcon Heavy will be launching next month on its maiden flight, and that the, quote, payload will be my midnight cherry Tesla Roadster playing Space Oddity. Destination is Mars orbit, will be in deep space for a billion years or so if it doesn't blow up on ascent. I think it's hilarious and awesome that the payload for this mission is a Tesla, How many other car companies will get to tout that they've got a car in orbit around Mars? Now for some space history. STS-27, 35, 53, and 61 all launched on December 2nd. The first mission to launch on this day was STS-27 in 1988 with the shuttle Atlantis. The second, STS-35, in 1990, which was the flight with the first necktie worn in space. The third, STS-53, a Department of Defense launch in 1992. And finally, the fourth, STS-61, which was the first Hubble repair mission in 1993. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on all of these missions because I'm focusing on the training for the Hubble repair mission in today's episode. However, there is one mission I want to talk about before we dive into STS-61. Back in 1988, STS-27R was the third flight of the shuttle Atlantis. This mission launched a Department of Defense payload, which was a classified surveillance satellite for the National Reconnaissance Office and the CIA. The exact details of the deployment of this satellite are still classified, so there is some conjecture as to what the astronauts did during this mission. During the launch, Atlantis sustained heavy damage to its heat shield, bad enough to shake veteran astronaut Robert Hoot Gibson. Quote, I said to myself, we are going to die. A lack of clear communication between the ground and the shuttle led to Atlantis returning to Earth with extensive heat shield damage. In all, there were over 700 damaged tiles. The communication wasn't clear between the shuttle and ground controllers because the encrypted communications link that was used during this mission had incredibly low video resolution. This made the damage on the tiles look like lights and shadows, not missing or damaged tiles. Thankfully, the crew landed safely, but had the damage been on slightly different parts of the orbiter, that mission, which was the second flight after the Challenger disaster, could have resulted in another horrific loss for NASA and the United States. I'm linking to a few articles on this flight. They are worth checking out if you've got a few minutes and want to know more about how this mission could have turned from successful to incredibly disastrous. I'm going to be sharing some pictures from this mission, so make sure you're following me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to see those pictures. Now, let's move to Hubble, specifically the lead-up to actually fixing the telescope. 
If you caught yesterday's episode, you know that I've talked about some of the crazy capabilities that this telescope has. The incredible images that you see today weren't always that clear. Hubble was launched with a defective mirror that made every picture blurry. Other problems with the gyroscopes prevented the stable pointing of the telescope, a prerequisite for performing science and extended observations. There was no way to correct for these issues with a software fix, so new hardware was needed. A fix in space meant that NASA had to develop procedures and equipment to repair the telescope on orbit. A series of complex extravehicular activities installed equipment into existing spots on the telescope, but NASA couldn't just send astronauts up to Hubble without a plan. There are years of planning and training that go into every EVA that's performed. Richard Covey, commander of STS-61, was interviewed for the Johnson Space Center Oral History Project, and he had some recollections about the training process for this mission. NASA chose to fly all veteran astronauts on STS-61 due to the high-profile nature of this mission and the cost of the Hubble Space Telescope. Training for STS-61 meant that the astronauts spent countless hours in the Neutral Buoyancy Simulator, which was then located at the Marshall Space Flight Center. This facility was decommissioned in the late 1990s, but at the time the facility was large enough to hold a mock-up of the Hubble Space Telescope. Covey relates how, quote, The crew spent a lot of time at Marshall. It wasn't just the EVA crew members. They may have spent a little bit more time there, but we all went because that was the only way for me, in particular, to learn what was going on, what it looked like, what were the issues that they were dealing with, and what were the complicating factors involved. The amount of time that was spent for training was due to the need to perform five days of spacewalks during this mission, something that Covey called, quote, clearly new. Covey relates how STS-61 integrated the operations of shuttle maneuvering, the remote arm activities with the Canada arm, and EVAs, which are now commonplace on the space station but weren't back during this time of the shuttle program. Quote, integrating all of those activities and the crew activities together was a big part of my role as the commander. Tomorrow we'll talk more about this service mission to Hubble and how those activities were used to fix the space telescope. Since you're here, why don't you let me know what you think of the podcast by leaving a review on iTunes. It takes just a minute to do that, and it makes a huge difference because it helps even more people find the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the daily episodes. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or click the link in the show notes. Tomorrow, Hubble Part 3 and Pioneer 10 and a Falcon 9 launch. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.